Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history underneath. I'm your host, Jem Daduchu, and what we're doing this time round is Harry and Meghan and the royal family in general, because this is, in a strange way, almost the perfect condensed history, because it absolutely goes into the true meaning of the word pop culture, words pop culture, and also brings us into history. And it has been a fascinating roller coaster ride over i'm going to say so since the announcement that harry and meghan were leaving the royal family through into basically early 2023 with the release of harry's autobiography spare which for the record is just a brilliant name now if you like the the whole point and problem of this story is what i have a problem with with modern media and in particular social media. I've got 99 problems. If you've been listening to this podcast for some time, if this is your first ever episode, hi, uh, I'm at Jem Daducci on Twitter. Love to hear your thoughts on this, but I like to look at things from both points of view. I've looked at clouds from both sides now. I like this thing called nuance, which is very 20th century and apparently out of fashion in the 21st century. People pick hills, they find their echo chambers, and then die on those hills. And I don't like that one little bit. And that is part of the problem with Harry and Meghan. And also, it's one of the reasons why I just don't post proper history stories on Facebook anymore. I stopped doing it in 2020, just a, a brief aside. And then round about, uh, well, if you may remember, in December of 2022, Vladimir Zelensky spoke at the Capitol. It was the first time he'd left Ukraine since the start of the Russian invasion, about 10 months earlier. And he said in English a speech in front of a full house where you had both sides, both chambers, sort of standing up and regularly applauding him. Members of Congress. I think it's too much. I think it is. Members of Congress, I have the high privilege and the distinct honor of presenting to you His Excellency Volodymyr Zelensky, President of the Ukraine. 
It was an amazing moment of unity, and I reviewed it, first of all, on LinkedIn. My day job is a business trainer, and I pointed out all the things he did that made it a genuinely great and impressive speech. I did make sure to say in that, and when I do courses on public speaking or business meetings, I point out that if somebody's a good public speaker, that's the only thing you know about them. They are eloquent. They are good at the performance. It doesn't tell you whether they're a good person or a bad person or whether they are a worthy individual or not. It's just a skill, and that skill is not indicative of anything else. But Zelensky absolutely nailed that skill. And it was very well received on LinkedIn. It led to some interesting discussions. Thank you very much for that. And I posted the identical piece on Facebook, and probably 60% of the people on that came up with conspiracy theories, were venomous, were calling me basically a shill for communist propaganda or whatever propaganda. I don't know. I did barely read any of it. But suddenly he's been installed by the CIA and I am a fool for believing any... It's just sort of like... Okay, come on. You know, you're, you've gone so far down a rabbit hole, and look, everybody is entitled to their opinion. What you're not entitled to is alternative facts. The facts are the facts, okay? And that has been completely forgotten in the world of social media, definitely on Facebook, and yeah, it's so, you're seeing this stuff happen with Harry and Meghan as well. So, if you do not know what I'm talking about, I great good for you sorry i'm about to bring you into quite a little murky area here okay so you may know that there is a royal family in britain okay and queen elizabeth ii for just over 70 years was the queen and she had a number of children the oldest being charles so he was going to be the next one in line and Charles, with this woman called Diana, had two sons, and so they were the next in line after Charles, and the eldest one was William, and the younger one was Harry, okay? So, Harry is a fair bit way down the line of who gets to be king or queen of Britain. And for the record, if William dies, it goes down through William's family, and he's already got three other kids, so... Again, the name of Harry's book, Spare, because there is this old saying, particularly in the Middle Ages, you would want an heir and a spare because of famine, war, illness, etc. Just holding all your hopes on one male heir isn't a great idea. And that's certainly reinforced by this thing called history, okay? That's the situation. So, irrespective of the fact that Queen Elizabeth II dies in 2022, what happens is... In 2016, Harry is apparently on Instagram, and he starts talking to this mixed-race American actress on a TV series called Suits. Uh, she plays a lawyer. I've got a photographic memory, pretty much a legal superhero. Called Meghan Markle. And they start talking, dare I say flirting, on the DMs, and this turns into meetings, and they fall in love, and they get together, and it's all kept a bit secret for a while because... And this is the thing I will absolutely back Meghan about, is dating the royal family isn't like anything else. You could be dating Beyonce or dating Daniel Craig or something like that. And, and so suddenly you've got this spotlight on you because your partner is famous. But generally, if you're an artist, a, 
musician or actor or whatever, their sort of fame comes and goes. It isn't been around for like, well, a thousand years. Whereas it's definitely different with the royal family. And the argument that Meghan has going, I couldn't have prepared myself for this, I think that's fair because, hey, she was a well-known TV actress. She probably has been stopped on the streets a number of times when people say, hey, I loved you in the suits, or hey, tell me how series three finishes, or stuff like that, okay? I do get and empathise with her on that. And then they get to the wedding. Meghan Markle, the bride, is wearing her hair up. The veil is being caught in the May sunshine. Stunning. Which is in St. George's Chapel in Windsor Castle. One of the royal residences... Uh, actual Windsor Castle dates back to the Middle Ages and it's the seat of the Knights of the Garter. It is an incredibly important site of English history. You know, lots and lots of tradition is wrapped around this. That is where the royal family gets its surname from, Windsor. Their actual surname, which was changed in World War One, was Saxe-Coburg-Gotha, which was considered, you know, a bit German seeing we're fighting the Germans. The Windsor is absolutely connected there. And so, did, did they get married in Westminster Abbey? No, they did not. However, St. George's Chapel in Windsor is another great place to get married. You know, if you're an American, you want to get married, have a fairy tale wedding in a palace and a chapel and a castle. Meghan got all that. And it's estimated that round about £32 million was spent on this royal wedding. It was not shortchanged. But once it was announced that these two were a couple there was no doubt that some media was raising an eyebrow about the fact that she was mixed race, which is absolutely unacceptable and awful. This is one of the points where I'm going to sort of stand up and say, OK, as we sort of go into their story, this is the, one of the things where I go, really? Because apparently she was offended by this. And, and, and I'm going to say she has every right to be offended by this, but I can't imagine this is the first time she's ever had sort of like sneering or subtle racism thrown her way. Because she comes from America, a country not exactly world-renowned for having no racial tensions whatsoever. And I say shame on any of the British media that did go down that road. I'm not backing them or supporting them, but... I think she had to kind of know that this sort of stuff was invariably going to rear its ugly head. And on top of that, we've obviously got social media, as I've already pointed out with the Zelensky thing. Oh, a lot of dark corners of the internet just being awful about it. Okay? So, they get married in 2018. I, Harry, take you, Meghan, to be my wife. Then, at the beginning of 2020, they make the announcement they are making a break from the royal family, even though they've had their first child. Basically, there has been irreconcilable differences between them and the royal family. Meghan feels that Parry isn't being treated right, and she herself isn't treated right, and there is institutionalized racism in the royal family. And all these accusations are raised. They then leave to America, which, by the way, is funded by Harry's dad, Prince Charles, and there they set up shop. And that probably would have been the biggest news story in Britain in 2020 if, you know, COVID hadn't have happened. And quite frankly, by the end of 2020, everyone had sort of forgotten about them. But then in 22, we have an interview with Oprah and it's sort of like... Was the move about getting away from the UK press, because the press, is, you know, is everywhere, mm. or was the move because you weren't getting enough support from the firm? So again, accusations fly... And then in 2022, Netflix has a whole series brought out in two chunks called Harry and Meghan, 
which is their story told from their perspective. And then again in 23, we get Harry bringing out his autobiography, which again is everything from their perspective. And this is where we can unpack sort of like the history of colonialism, monarchy, etc. Now, there are two people who I get on very well with online and where you interact. I don't know whether they would call me like online friends or not. I'm only going to use their first names. John and Mike. Hi, John and Mike. They have been very vociferous about the fact that they very much are from the Republican perspective. Not, not in the American political sense, but in the sense of we don't want a royal family. And I want to break that down because I absolutely get their point, but I respectfully look at it a different way. I respectfully disagree. So, basically everywhere had some kind of monarchy. You can call it what you want prior to, let's say, the 1700s, where we start getting various revolutions and so on and so forth. It is worth remembering that America fought a literal war to get rid of the monarchy, and it's therefore, there is a weird relationship between America and Britain and their monarchy today in the 21st century. I'll come back to that, and obviously Meghan, in a little bit. So, yeah, everything kind of basically starts off with some kind of dictatorship, emperor, king, call it whatever you want, okay? And then we start getting these democracies. Now, what's interesting is when the first places that became a republic and sort of deliberately got rid of the monarchy and brought in, in theory, a, an elected group to, to run things at this time was England, where they had what's traditionally called, it gets complicated, the English Civil War. There are actually two of them. And basically this was between Parliament, you know, the elected officials, although they were all rich, white land-owning men, basically. So that was basically the Parliament, and the other side was the King, who was basically acting like a tyrant, which by the 1600s wasn't as easy to get away with as it had done a couple of centuries earlier, let's say. So, there was Civil War, the King at the time, a guy also called Charles, Charles I, he gets locked up, then there's another bout of Civil War, and he manages to get out and, you know, runs around, but then loses the second round of Civil War. He's put on trial, and he has his head cut off. And then we have Oliver Cromwell running Brit the British Commonwealth, English Commonwealth, and other bits as well. It gets, gets complicated. And he basically, we are a republic. Yay! And we really didn't like that. And so in the 1660s, we asked Charles's son to come back nicely and please set up again you know, perhaps don't have quite as much power as Dad. He's also, annoyingly in this story, also called Charles. He's Charles II, there we go, which is why the current king is Charles III. There's been a big jump from basically the late 1600s to the 21st century when we finally get Charles number three. So my point is that in Britain, we tried it without the monarchy and we kind of like to have them back again. Now, if you want to turn around and say that the monarchy is the absolute example of basically unearned wealth it is privilege without anything else it is a sign of institutions that are outdated yeah yeah you're right can't really argue with any of that but i want to continue the conversation so when it comes to the the british monarchy what's interesting is every time they do an opinion poll on it 70 to 75 percent of people would quite like to keep them so the irony is even though you don't vote for a monarch if we did put it to an election Oh, should we be a republic? Should we be a monarchy? Monarchy would win. So for all the republicans out there, with all due respect, if you're all about the people's will, 
that's the will of the people, okay? But let's imagine that we did get rid of the monarchy. Let's imagine, we, I don't know, we give them Balmoral, everywhere else becomes a national trust place, or maybe we set it up as sort of uh, places for the homeless, if you want to be really sort of uh, politically correct on this stuff. I don't know, something like that. We redistribute the wealth, etc., etc. Fine, great. But that isn't going to solve anything in Britain. It would be, be nice, it's a lovely gesture, but it doesn't mean that suddenly Britain will now become the most equitable country in the world. Sadly, I would love it if that was the case. The other problem is that the Prime Minister, who basically runs the country in Britain, they're not the head of state. That's the monarch, Charles III. So we would need a head of state. Generally, they're called presidents, and you have to, like, vote them in. And just ask an American about how easy it is to vote in a president and how they are a sort of great unifier of the country. Yeah, right. And that's the problem. So to Mike and John, with all due respects, even if we got rid of everybody, and let's say the first new president of Britain is for the party that you would vote for, I'm going to say at some point the president won't be from the party that you vote for, and are they then hashtag not my president? And that's sort of where we start pushing against democracy again, which is probably not a good idea. So I'm going to say, and lots of people have commented on Queen Elizabeth II, look, she ruled from the 1950s to the 2020s. Her first prime minister, if you don't know, there's basically a private meeting between the prime minister and the monarch. It happens every, every two weeks. And the first prime minister she had was Winston Churchill, who was born in 1874. And the last one she had was Liz Truss. She clearly was hanging on to get her voted in so that she could pass this on so there wouldn't be a problem. She died 36 hours later. But Liz Truss was born in 1975. So you've got a 101 year difference between those two prime ministers, which just shows you how long she'd been around. There's no way a woman born in the 1920s became a monarch in the 1950s was going to have the most 21st century views of the world but she was smart enough to never say but when the people who don't like the queen don't like the institution there's nothing to dislike about her because she's never said anything really of consequence everything she said it's sort of like yeah, yeah okay fair enough you know and that's the thing charles has been told he needs to tone things down apparently that's something that megan was annoyed about that some of her charities were considered in essence a bit too edgy do something like cancer research or, or, or things like that that's absolutely fine but there are certain sort of uh, charities where it's considered like you're having a political opinion and the whole idea of the monarchy is nowadays with the constitutional monarchy is they shouldn't be interfering in the affairs of politics basically open up a supermarket maybe like princess anne the sister of prince charles or now king charles she was in the olympics in the horse riding team the skill of horse and rider spread over a dressage test a cross-country test and a show jumping test or you may join the military as well these things have sort of happened in the past these are sort of okay things for modern royals to do and that's absolutely fine but there are things that basically are a bit too edgy for them and I get that. So this is, if you like, what Meghan is walking into. And she said, she goes, I didn't do any research on the royal family. As if that's a badge of honour. I'm going to say that's not something to be proud of. Or even necessarily admit to, even if it's true. Because it makes you come across as dumb. You know, 
when I was introduced to my wife's family for the first time, I did my research. I listened to them. I mean, obviously, they don't have a Wikipedia page or anything like that. I couldn't go back a thousand years on them. But I paid close attention to the various sort of tensions and characters in the family. It sounds like she didn't do any of those things. And yet she's about to marry into one of the most famous families in the world. It's also worth remembering, of course, that Britain's not the only place with royals. There are royals in Norway or do you know who Queen Beatrix is the queen of? Anybody? Answer the Netherlands, if you care. There's an emperor of Japan. So there are lots of other living, breathing monarchies around the world. I mean, obviously, there are people who are related to monarchies that no longer exist in the world, like the Kaisers of Germany and the Tsars. Actually, they were all pretty much wiped out, but you get the idea. Various sort of like princedoms and duchies and things like that. People who back in the day, their family used to run things exist all over the place. But there are actually still some running monarchies. And easily the most famous one is the one in Britain. So now I'm going to say something a bit odd. I'm going to, well, you probably already know this if you're a long time listener. If you're not, again, if it's the first time that caught your imagination, hello again. I'm going to talk about the fact I did a degree in archaeology and medieval history. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I enjoyed that degree an awful lot, but then after university, I had to, you know, get a job. And what was I good at? Reading books and digging holes very precisely. Like 
Not very useful to get a decent job. And so what does everybody do who doesn't have a degree that naturally leads into a job is we try and use these comparative. Oh, yes, well, what this taught me was that over here. And yes, it shows I can complete a project. And look, we've all got to hustle when we have nothing else on our CV or resume. And that's exactly what I did. And one of the things I said at the time, I hoped people would buy it, but they were basically just looking for me to construct a decent argument why I should hire them. Could I think on the spot? That kind of thing. That's what they were really going for. I know, I know that in hindsight. But actually, over the years and going back to social media, this is something that just has been forgotten and absolutely has something to do with Harry and Meghan, but absolutely is something that all of us need to be paying more attention to. And that is... When I was doing my degree, whenever I read like an excerpt, a chronicle, an eyewitness account or whatever about a person, place or event, then you always had to think, why are they writing it? What's their perspective and what's their bias? Because there's no such thing as unbiased. There's, you know, even if people are trying to be unbiased, they're still choosing what to say and what not to say. I do my best to try and cover most points of view in these podcasts, but I know I'm probably going to lean one way than the other, and I, I tend to sort of say things like, you know, I'm not somebody of faith, as I'm about to talk about something around faith, because I might say something that basically is subconsciously biased against religion in some form or, or another. So, this is the thing. With Harry and Meghan, when it came to their interview with Oprah, when it came to their endless series of of confessions and videos and things like that on Netflix and also in the book as well it is only from their perspective we have nothing to counter any of it so if you think about it uh you know i could turn around and say right now that i'm recording this podcast wearing a red top now that doesn't make any difference to this podcast or not but you've only got my word for it. You will never know whether I am actually doing this in a red top or not. I feel tempted to tell you whether this is true or not, but that's the thing. So it's, it's a stupid, silly throwaway line. But the thing about Harry and Meghan, particularly with the Netflix stuff, is absolutely everything that goes wrong is never their fault. And I'm telling you right now... First of all, something you already know. That's not how life works. We are all flawed human beings. We all make mistakes. We all do things we regret and have to apologize for. Because, yeah, it's one of the joys of being a human, okay? So the fact that they don't do anything wrong ever is probably a sign that this is quite skewed. Now, that's, again, not to put the royal family, take them off the hook or anything like that. But... It's one of these things where I would love to hear the other side. Amri probably never will because that's not how the royal... F if the royal family refuted every single accusation thrown at them, it'll be everything from the deliberate assassination of Princess Diana to, no, we're not lizard people, to, no, I didn't say that racist comment that you said I said at that dinner. And, of course, their side will be biased as well. The point is, as a historian, is you look at all available resources, you think of all the biases, and you may, you navigate the most reasonable course through it. Doesn't mean you're going to get it right, but it does mean that you can get a broader picture. 
And the fact that Harry and Meghan want to kind of pretend that they are being terribly put upon is... It's, it, I, there is a problem with their brand, and this is where I want to sort of go into this. This is, again, I'm trying to be logical here. So, first of all, they're now against the royal family. They, you know, they've been poorly treated by the royal family. They have been shunned by the royal family. And they're the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Well, if you really, really don't like the royal family, why do you insist on keeping those titles? You're very annoyed that you've had her, his and her royal highness, HRH, taken away from you because you've now separated from the main royal family, but you want to keep the other titles? Because that's what your average person walking down the street has, you know. I live in West London, of course, I'm Lord Uxbridge, obviously. that That's clearly, I'm sort of surveying my land here. As I turn around, I probably can sit here a slightly different sound on the, on the microphone as I look around my land, which is actually just part of my home. Anyway. So, and, and Uxbridge is probably the nearest big place you've heard of from me. I don't actually live in Uxbridge. Anyway, so the, so first of all, well, either you're against the royal family, you know, like Mike and John, I don't think either of them would accept a knighthood, or, or would you? I don't know. Uh, let me know, guys, uh, on, on messaging. Pick a lane, is what I would say there. Yeah, I've heard it both ways. The second thing is that their whole brand, you know, what do you do? Well, in the case of Meghan, you used to be a pretty good actress, but you're not acting anymore. You're now t telling your truth, which you're allowed to do, and that's fine. But, you know, it's about how badly I was treated over a two-year period. You got married in 18 and everything, you know, there was so much love for you in the world in, in 2018. And it really was a sort of fairy tale wedding. And there was this feeling of excellent, you know, a bit of colour, a bit of, you know, ethnic diversity has been put into the royal family. This is a good thing. You were never going to become queen and he was never going to become king because you're too far down the pecking order. But it just shows how the family is moving into the 21st century, if you like. So I don't know what happened behind closed doors. I'm pretty sure that there was some clumsy poorly phrased racially inadvertently racially insensitive comments i'm sure that happened because you're dealing with like octogenarians and you know people who are literally landed gentry and, and stuff like that so uh, yeah really sorry about that but the thing is though these events happened over i'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say three years so you had three years of awkwardness okay and already those three years of awkwardness are two years old. A little over two years now, basically. And so the question is, you got the Netflix deal. You've got the podcast. And I, I've heard some people say, it's like, well, you talk about how you don't like the, the press sort of like impinging on you, and yet you keep doing all this press. That's a little bit disingenuous. What they don't like is, you know, the, basically the paparazzi, whereas this stuff they're in control of which they've chosen to do that, and they're getting paid for it, and, I, you know, you got to earn somehow, haven't you? Fine. But what's their story in 10 years' time? Because they're not part of the royal family anymore. Regurgitating these stories in 10 years' time isn't going to work. And this brings us back to Queen Elizabeth II, who, again, was extremely well-loved in Britain. Happy Jubilee, man. And thank you. Well, everything. The vast majority of people approved of Queen Elizabeth II. Some people who didn't even like the monarchy. They recognised that this woman put in the service, put in the years, put in the decades. You know, let's face it, she ruled for 70 years. 
you know, most people retire at 65 and she was still going in her 90s. This is a woman who took her job seriously. Might not have been a hard job. She had multiple palaces, I grant you. But again, very few people actually were pushing against her. More people were pushing against Charles, and I'll come on to him in a moment. But the thing is, though, what Harry and Meghan are describing are the last few years of Queen Elizabeth II's household. And with Charles coming in in 2022... They're describing the, the old way. Staff have changed. The monarchy may not necessarily have changed massively, but again, the, the next person coming up it will be William and, and his wife Kate, who is Catherine as she's now known. But she comes from a pretty normal middle-class family. No landed gentry in, in that family whatsoever. So you are getting a little bit of, dare I say it, sort of diversity. I mean, she's another white woman, but the point is she's not also the Baroness of Fortescue or something like that as well in the background. Diana previously, that's William and Harry's mother, was seen as a commoner in adverted commas, but she did actually have a bit of uh, landed gentry blood in her. She wasn't exactly quite as average working in WH Smiths as you might first think. So we then come to, to Charles and the, the death of Queen Elizabeth II, and generally like i said i got burnt with Zelensky, and because i previously i got burnt in the past when you know i've actually tried to put facts on the internet i've just stopped doing that basically and generally i say positive things about people you're not going to find me picking a fight with anybody but there were the last time i decided to do you know what i am actually going to push back a little bit on this was some of the inane comments said when Queen Elizabeth II dies, and now you've got Charles. Because, again, and this goes back to what I said earlier, the British monarchy, or just the concept of monarchy, doesn't fit in social media. So I had one person say on the day it was announced that Queen Elizabeth II had died, that goes, well, I see Charles has already announced himself to be king. He didn't waste any time. And I just wrote back and said, the transition of monarchs happens on the death of the previous one. Have you never heard the phrase in a movie, the king is dead, long live the king? I got no answer from that individual, but I got a bunch of people underneath that basically going, yeah, yeah, you're right. And because I was right, that that's how it works. Charles at that moment didn't actually say anything, just this is how it works. Indeed, Terry Pratchett, the sadly passed away great writer, once said, that the fastest speed in the universe is monarchy because we can measure the speed of light whereas monarchy changes instantaneously from the death of one to the creation of the next one so yeah so i i corrected them on that then i had somebody else go there was an instant couple of days after charles had become king and it is worth pointing out that you while you become the next monarch instantaneously it obviously takes time to organize the coronation but you are already the monarch so in 2023, there's the coronation of Charles III. But if you think about it, really, that's just signing off on what's already happened. That, that's the best way of looking at it. He's already got the job. But I had somebody say he was sort of clearly agitated and a little bit angry over a pen. And it was petty and it was stupid and there was a hot mic and it didn't make him look great. <laughs> But it wasn't like he was screaming obscenities at people or being overtly racist or anything like that. He did look spoiled and entitled, but 
Literally, the word entitled is exactly what a monarch is. But anyway, not his finest hour. But it led to one person saying, oh, it's just a sign he's going to be the worst monarch ever. Sometimes I think about having you executed just to see the expression on your face. Really? Well, when you say ever, that goes back to Athelstan in the 900s AD, okay? So, go on, name me the last 20 monarchs of Britain slash England. Bet you can't with that particular... I didn't say any of those things, but basically I just went to them and went, well, you do know his namesake, Charles I, started two civil wars and got his head cut off. I didn't get any answer from that. Now, I don't know. I don't have a, a crystal ball. I don't know if Charles III is going to make more clangers or sort of say something stupid or create a diplomatic incident or something like that. I doubt it. I think he'll be just as bland as, as his mother because that's kind of what's required of him, and he does understand that. But I do know, I'm very confident saying that he's unlikely to trigger two civil wars and, and be executed. Look, if I am wrong, boy, do I have a book to write uh, with that bit of history, but I, I'm feeling very confident in that sort of uh, looking at the future, okay? My point here is that, that trying to sort of like pull the whole royal family together and make it fit into pop culture... That's something that's actually a cottage industry, particularly something like the Daily Express and the Daily Mail, particularly in the 1990s. They loved Charles III's, then at that time Prince Charles, his ex-wife, Diana, the mother of Harry and William. She was quite glamorous, or she was very glamorous, and people would talk about her dresses and things like that. And then when she died in a car crash in 1997, four years afterwards, Sometimes front page on those two newspapers, they would still be running stories about Diana. You know, people's fond memories and things like that, because she sold copies. Going back to, sort of like, monarchy being sort of representative of Britain as a sort of head of state and all that kind of stuff, it is worth remembering that Harry and Meghan's wedding was viewed by a billion-plus people around the world. Everybody loves a royal wedding. In 2022, when it was the Queen's 70th Jubilee, where she had become the longest reigning monarch in British history, again, a billion-plus people watched these sort of special commemorations on the TV. And when she died and there was the funeral, again, a billion-plus people around the world watched that ceremony that lasted the whole day. There was the the queue for to sort of see her coffin where people were sort of queuing for sometimes like 12, 14 hours just to file past and sort of pay their last respects or probably just say, I was there. And, you know, that was live streamed. And I, I watched it sometimes for like half an hour a time. It's kind of kind of hypnotic. I'm not, not saying because it's a super fan or anything like that, but it was just sort of like, A, I recognised it was a moment in history, but B, just seeing these different types of people. And if you like, if, if you can find any of that footage still, it is interesting because it isn't just old white people filing past. There are all ethnicities, all genders, all races and religions and all types of people are paying their respects. You know, nobody ran up and tried to attack it and sort of screamed various religious statements or, or talked about some violent act from the past about British colonialism or what have you. It was... Everything that Britain would want in terms of showing the world its multiculturalism, the fact that the monarchy is in a way a symbol that almost everybody can agree on is it's just it's just sort of there in the background. It is also good for tourism. 
people do like to go and see a living, breathing monarchy. You can go to a castle in Germany, but to know that this is the castle where there was a royal wedding in 2018, that's going to get... And, you know, when every time we show these things around the world, you've got people sitting there going, huh, Britain looks quite nice, doesn't it? Let, let's go there for next year's holiday vacation. So, yeah, I'm going to say, on balance, it's better that we do have a monarchy than not. But I absolutely get why people are against it. And when it comes to Harry and Meghan, there was a wonderful sort of summary going, so she's angry that she's not allowed to live in a palace, that she chose not to live in a palace anymore and is now instead living in a mansion in California. It's like, yeah, I mean, for, from a perspective of the average person, you haven't got it bad. You're still not exactly working for a living, Harry and Meghan. You know, writing a book, I've done that. I won't be making as much money out of my books than yours. And, you know, doing a podcast, doing it right now. I love doing it. I certainly don't consider it hard work. <laughs> and, and sort of all these other things. It's like, yeah, not exactly working at the coalface here, guys. You're not exactly a, you know, what exactly are you symbolizing? You seem to feel hard done by, but it's not like it's for the people. It's not like you want a republic or anything like that. It's like, what exactly do you want? It seems to me that you want to be treated special. And as one person pointed out, look, if you've got a couple of kids sort of like living cheek by jowl underneath each other, there is no way you're going to be just staring puppy dogged into each other's eyes and just sort of constantly like laugh and hug each other and things like that. You know, I've been married now for pushing 20 years. We've been together now for, so says Jem quickly doing the mathematics, uh, we'll be coming up to about 25 years, something like that. I love my wife to bits and I know that she loves me, but that does not mean that it's just sunshine, rainbows, huggy, kissy, adult time all the time, smoochy time. Uh, you know, we have arguments, we get on each other's nerves, and the fact that we never see any of that in Harry and Meghan does make me worried, quite frankly, because if they're that desperate to put on this sort of facade of, like, this is total love, then are they hiding that they're not? That Look, that is complete conjecture, but again, what they are projecting versus what we know about the world is off, and that warns me as a historian we're probably not getting the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. A, because we never do, but B, this is a very deliberate image. As deliberate as Alexander the Great got his chroniclers to write about him, or Charlemagne when he decided to get crowned emperor but didn't really want to be on Christmas Day 800, and so on and so forth. It's the same trick which you can span back thousands of years. They're not doing anything new, but if you like... Their argument has changed a little bit, but I'm going to say that fundamentally their argument that they're angry at the royal family has a sell-by date, and I think it's kind of reached it. Again, happy to be proven wrong, but I, can't, I don't know what they're going to be talking about in 10 years' time that's going to yield this amount of interest. Thanks very much, and as always, another podcast coming soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.